This is John with Ubaldi Reports. The One News organization provides fact, not fiction, on global and excuse me, global and national news. But it's coming from veterans who combat veterans who actually serve their country. That we wanted to provide the facts to the American people and let you make the decision on what you think of it and what you want to do with it. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. There's a lot of stuff in the news, especially what's going on with President Biden and inflation and gas prices and other issues that have come up today. So first of all, I'd like to introduce the, those who are on the podcast. We've got my co-host, Big Bad Joe Bitts, who served as a Marine combat veteran in Iraq, was unfortunately wounded in Iraq, but he's fine now, at least physically, not worried about <laughs> mentally, but we're he's work, fine now. We're working on the mental part here. And then we got another gentleman, another Marine named Ray Krause, who's, um, if I pronounced that name right? You did. Okay, Ray got it. But he's also a gunsmith. So he knows things that are related to guns, and we may talk about some gun issues or at least what's going on with gun control that's in Congress today. So how's it going, Joe, and how's it going, Ray? Great, John. How are you? Doing Good, well. John. How are you? <laughs> I'm I doing well. motivated today. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you are. Yeah, we had a good talking beforehand. So going into like this week, I think they kind of went a little hard and heavy, especially with everything going on with Uvalde. But we also kind of touching on Supreme Court. Now, something happened just today. Yeah, there was a gentleman that was arrested for trying to break into the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. And he had a firearm. I think he had a Glock, um, seven, let's see, Glock 19 which is a 9 millimeter platform. He had some burglary tools, and his, he's told the police, my job was to kill Brett Kavanaugh because he was going to overturn Roe vs. Wade. Well, everybody has to understand, he's not the only one, though, right? Correct. But the thing is, that has set the tone, because remember, um, there's been angst against the president and a lot of Democrats for not coming out against those protesting in front of the homes of the Supreme Court. Yeah, and now, look where it got them. Protest is in our DNA. Yeah. I mean, that's just part of who we are as Americans. You want to protest in front of the Supreme Court, scream and yell, go for it. Mm -hmm. You want to protest in front of the White House, the Congress, the downtown, more power to you. To me, once you go in front of someone's home, especially like Brett Kavanaugh, it's just the same thing with Amy Comey Barrett, they have young children at home. Mm -hmm. The children are innocent. Can you imagine someone screaming and yelling outside your home? While your children are sleeping, they don't get it. They're, I mean, that's their sanctity as their home. And now they've are given protection. So, But the president hasn't called out his supporters. They admonished President Trump for not calling out his. But the same thing that the shoe on the other foot doesn't fit. It's all right if the ends justify the means, calling out the other side. Mm -hmm. But you're silent on your own. And even, what's his name? The Senate majority, majority leader, um, Chuck Schumer, he really went at it with the Supreme Court about a year during the campaign. Now, what was that over again? It was over some of the decision, mainly was abortion. He called out Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and it was Gorsuch and Kavanaugh specifically saying, you're going to reap the whirlwind if you don't do what we tell you to do. Would there, why isn't... Him, why is he okay? Should he be get, getting called to the carpet just because he put that out there in the universe? And now, in a sense, the rooster has come. All should call out. I was the, when I the whole January 6th happened, I was appalled and I called out individuals for doing that. Yeah, 
You can protest. You can scream to your heart's content. Once you cross the line, everybody should condemn your side for doing things that are going against the basic rule of law, the basic fundamental decency. But it seems like today we have a two-tier justice system. If you're a Democrat, you're going to get one set of rules. Mm -hmm. We saw during the Michael Sussman case. It was the best Clinton jury you can pick. Yeah. Also, when he had the evidence was supported that he did, in fact, state in a text and an email, well, I think it was text message, that he was not working for a political campaign. So he basically lied. And you even had James Baker, the White House, the uh, FBI legal counsel, said, I didn't help with the investigation because that wasn't mine, that was theirs. So you're not helping the Justice Department. Because it's going against your friend? Is so, that how justice works? Yeah. <clears throat> going into a little bit, though, looking at the previous administration, did they were they unprepared for a lot of stuff that was thrown at them? Were they able to handle it a little bit better? Is every administration unprepared when things come up? Yes and no. It goes, um, especially early on in your administration when you first get established. Yeah. Because your tr- Trump went through this. Because a lot of Republicans didn't want to work with them. But for the most part, every administration stumbles at the gate. You're trying to get your cabinet set. You're trying to get your cabinet confirmed. You're trying to get key people into key positions, especially when you're um, – if, let's say, your, your party's been out of the power in the executive branch, like hey, when um, George Bush Sr. Jr. took over, mm-hmm. his party, the Republicans, have been out of the executive branch for eight years. It's just like when Trump took over. It was a little worse for Trump because a lot of Republicans wouldn't work with them. Yeah. But I can understand the stumbles at the beginning. But this is an administration that has taken this, I think, almost to a new level. We've seen the um, supply chain issues. We've seen the rising gas prices. We've seen the, the vaccine issues. We've also seen just recently the baby formula controversy. And when you had the uh, Secretary of Commerce up on uh, being interviewed by CNN, which is hardly a conservative outlet. So the reporter asked her, the Commerce Secretary, so when did you know about this? Well, we knew months ago. Mm -hmm. Well, was that April? Yeah, kind of around there. Well, then she's right off the next step. She said, I wasn't involved in this. Yeah. And then she said in the next breath, but we're doing good things. So – but every industry uh, leader in the field said we told the administration officials for months beginning in the fall there was a problem. All right. Well, <clears throat> and I got two things. Is the president on a need to know basis or like should our presidents in, in general on a need to know basis like they don't need to know about this. They just need to focus on this until it comes up. Well, or is it? Well, you were in the mil- You All three of us were in the military. And when you're at a general officer level, and I was at a staff level up at that high, Mm -hmm. they have something called CCIRs. It's Commander's Critical Information Request. Yeah. This is something that you will wake the general up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. And it changes over time, but this is what happens. I don't expect the president to know every intricacy, every innate detail of every government. There's no way he can know that. Yeah. But that's where he has cabinet meetings. He asks these questions. Okay, like um, with the, the baby food formula issue, the FDA is in charge of 
maintaining these facilities, cleanliness, and all that stuff. Well, the Health and Human Services Secretary, Javier Becerra, oversees the FDA. Mm-hmm. So we're in our cabinet meetings. He goes around the horn, at least from the domestic side. Then he does the same thing for the national security side. And they get briefings every day. Yeah. So he goes around the horn, the Secretary of Education, where are we at? And you bring up, it's like any meeting, you bring up things that you think the boss would want to know. Okay, now we're under the impression that, you know, we've seen it on when our the, the past administration, Trump would be there and he would have like a whole circle around him just going in and in. He even had like to the point where his camera's in there talking and discussing about this. Now for an administration, the current administration that says they're going to be the most transparent they're not there's zero transparency when it comes to this administration but is he even holding those meetings like that's the thing i don't know and it'd be nice to know now i read a book called uh, the man who ran washington Mm -hmm. this was james baker not the one at the fbi this is james baker who was uh, the friend of george hw bush okay he was the treasury secretary for ronald reagan and then he was also before he became the Treasury Secretary, he was also the Chief of Staff for Ronald Reagan. Okay. And in his first term, he knew everything about everything going on in mm-hmm. Washington. Now, mm-hmm. he wasn't involved in the State Department's business, but he wanted to know what was going on. So if Iran-Contra, what happened in the latter stages of the Reagan administration, that wouldn't have taken place because the chief of staff would have known this. Okay. So it's just like in the military. We have chief of staff, and the chief of staff position came out of the presidency of Dwight Eisenhower because that's what he had in the military. He had a chief of staff, which was Bedell Smith, General Bedell Smith. Mm-hmm. And that chief of staff runs roughshod to make sure things are running smooth. Each section brings up information that the boss needs to know. Yeah. So when they go into the cabinet meetings – that chief of staff is running that meeting. So it seemed like under the Trump administration, any time a problem would come up, say it was a border crisis where there were kids in cages, he quick was to take care of that. Usually whatever time something he was faced with, some kind of like uh, something adverse when it comes to the country, he was real quick to figure out a way to solve it, whether it was putting money in it or just simply having a little bit more oversight Correct. when it came to that project. And the thing is, is like, so like if we told if the current administration and we just took Biden out and we put Trump back in there and all of a sudden we're like, hey, Mr. President, gas is really high. What do we, what should we do? I mean, he would probably have a solution to it. Mr. President, inflation is getting out of hand. How do you expect we get, he would probably have some kind of idea, not just because he wants more from the American people or because he generally loves the American people, but he knows that if anything negative comes out under his administration, they're not looking at who's to blame. They're thinking he's the blame. And he was real quick to be like, Oh, I need to knock this off. Is it going down into like the Biden administration where this is a problem? He just doesn't know about it. Well, there's, there's a couple of, couple answers to your question. First of all, with Trump, and I would tell our listeners, take the rhetoric out. Yeah. Forget how we communicated the bombastic. Okay, take that out. With Trump, Trump wasn't ideologically driven. He was more practical business. He took a business-like approach to everything, whether foreign policy or domestic. So 
he would have, and he fired a lot of people, even yeah. in his, which was kind of rare. Oh, it was a revolving door when yeah, it came to. it was a revolving door. But then he settled down on some good people who were running each cabinet um, position. Now, even Elon Musk, the, the, the billionaire, the one who's trying to buy Twitter, even said, he goes, take the rhetoric aside. Trump did get things done, and he had people who were very capable at their position. Mm-hmm. If you go back to President Eisenhower, he has selected people that he didn't know of or only heard of, but he selected them for their competency in their job. And he had his chief of staff run the show, but he was like stayed back and listened to both sides. Now, with Donald Trump, the thing that's different between Trump and Joe Biden, I think a lot of these problems probably wouldn't have materialized because Donald Trump knew some of these issues. He was a builder. He was one of the first presidents that actually owned a business in the last number of decades. I think the last president that probably did anything like that would probably be Jimmy Carter because he was a farmer. I know Bush ran a little bit of the Texas Rangers, but it's not like he built something. So Trump understood supply chain supply chain issues. He understood gas prices, and he took a business approach. And he looked at it like, wait a minute. Why are we buying energy from Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, and Russia when we have our own energy here that is more than capable of providing for our needs and we can ship that abroad? Okay, so we just get it. <clears throat> we did get a question off TikTok. It says, What has to happen in, for us to actually fight back? This is getting ridiculous. That's from Sage 1993. Well, the one thing I would say f- f- to that person, Sage 1993, is Americans, one, have to do two things. They have to educate themselves. I mean, really look at when a a candidate says something Mm -hmm. or a president, in this case, President Biden, says something. Like when he said, the way to reduce inflation is to pass my Build Back Better agenda and do climate change. That will do nothing to reduce inflation. It would make inflation worse. So the other thing that has to happen is November 8th. That's when everybody goes to the, the, the ballot box. We need to vote these individuals out and at the same time hold them accountable for their actions and their statements, which were a lot of times were not. And the hardest part is, and to build off that, is we have a complicit media that's not challenging the president. Like when Peter Ducey asked the current um, White House press secretary, how does spending more money, and doing climate change, how does that reduce inflation? And she gave this very prepared text, I mean, uh, statement. And even uh, Larry Summers had stated that you're spending money that we don't have. Mm -hmm. That's encouraging inflation. So going back to the other thing is just be informed and get actively engaged. I mean, we saw what happened with Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. Parents became engaged, and they went to the polls, and they challenged their school board members. And just Americans have to vote on November 8th. Okay. Another one from, uh, I guess it's Chase Bellback Ho. Well, I saw that. Chase Bellback Ho, 1356. I know they say they cheat, and we will never win again. Well, there's an interesting book but written by Molly Hemingway of The Federalist, and she said the uh, 2020 election was rigged. Mm-hmm. The mistake that the, the Trump attorneys did, and they didn't 
serve him well is as soon as the first governor changed the rules in the midst of the election, like California, New York, New Jersey, and some of these battleground states, that's when they should have sued the states, not after the fact. So, and we've cleaned up the voter rolls and our election laws, like in Texas, Florida, Georgia. That's where these other states have to do the same. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would agree with them. It's always going to be that way. And I know Sage 1993 said again, so, I mean, it's just that they're going to have to tighten up those voter rolls. Mm-hmm. So, in the biggest way, it's kind of ironic when they did the 2020, excuse me, the 2000 election and the debacle that happened after that. They had a bipartisan election committee. One was done by Jimmy Carter. The other co-person on that was James Baker, the former Secretary of State, the one I referenced earlier. And they said the greatest threat to an open and free election was the abuse of the absentee ballot system. Yeah. And I read the Georgia law. All they said is if you submit your absentee ballot, you have to sign it and it have to know that you mm-hmm. have to put a Social Security number down a driver's license, identification, something that identifies that ballot to you. Democrats want to nationalize it, which is against the Constitution, because that explicitly says in Section 2 of the Constitution that all voting uh, laws and rules reside with the state. Each state can run it their way. So how does Schumer and Pelosi not see any, I guess we say majority of the Democrats, how how can he not see... The writing on the walls. How can you see the gas price, the inflation, the shortages here, the way America is kind of being volatile and reacting to them? How can they see like, oh, crap, we're messing up. We need to kind of fix this or we're going to get you're going to get ran over when it comes to the midterms. And there has to be some kind of foresight here, especially when it comes to polls. They cut back on the COVID restrictions because they saw a dip in their polls. How do they not see this? Because I think, like like you mentioned the two, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, and Chuck Schumer, the Majority Leader in the Senate. If you look at Chuck Schumer, that's all he's known since he graduated, I think, Harvard Law School in 74. Mm -hmm. That's all he's known is politics. Nancy Pelosi, that's all she's known is politics. So when you get up into those levels, everything is done for you. You've got free health care. Someone drives you to the airport. Everything is paid for. Mm -hmm. So you don't see, I would ask Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, when was the last time you drove a vehicle and filled up a tank of gas? Well, you can ask her husband that. Yeah, okay, you can (laughs) ask her husband. But see, I would ask them that. When was the last time you did that? Remember during COVID, she had someone do a documentary of what she's doing. I'm locked down in my house. Mm -hmm. Well, they showed her refrigerator. I would tell my listeners, how many of you, have a $20,000 refrigerator. How many of you buy ice cream and have it shipped in from Texas because that's the only place that makes that brand of ice cream? Yeah, it's $18 ice cream. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, nice. for a pint? So, they're isolated. Well, here's an example. There was a Democratic senator that when uh, Janet Yellen was in front of, I believe, the Senate Finance Committee yesterday. And this Democratic senator from Michigan, Debbie Stabenow, she, was, she got up there, and she, when it was her turn to speak, she goes, you know, I drove my electric vehicle from Michigan yeah, to this. Washington, and I drove by these gas stations, and it, it doesn't phase me. Mm-hmm. So she had this elitist attitude yep. 
oh, this is what the peasants go. It doesn't bother me because it doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. I can afford a $56,000 electric vehicle. Oh, you can't? But the peasants live a different way. And And going back to your question, the reason they don't see it, over the weekend, I like the History Channel and I like the Discovery Channel. And every and lately they've been having like how businesses got started, like our iconic business, like General Electric. So they started something in the late 19th century and they called it the Gilded Age where all the big business leaders like J.P. Morgan, John Rockefeller, the Vanderbilts, the Westinghouses got started. And... They ran roughshod over the workers. They would they lived this lifestyle, but the peasants toiled among the masses in these very horrible conditions. Mm-hmm. And I was telling a friend of mine who I'm staying with right now that fast forward to 2022, look what we got in Washington. We have elected officials who've known nothing else but government. They live a lifestyle. They talk down to us. They talk about public schools are great. For your children, Mm -hmm. but they go to private schools. They talk about climate change. We got to do this and we got to do that. But they fly on private jet. They buy their electric vehicles. And like Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, said, well, to reduce the pain at the pump, just buy an electric vehicle. Yeah. Well, he may be able to afford it. Most Americans don't make close to $56,000 a year, let alone buy an electric vehicle. So I want to maybe ask you a question. I think you're going to understand this term of reference because you're a bit of a story and you probably know where this stems from. But when is, when is or is America, when are they going to get to that let them eat cake moment? Well, in some cases they had what you saw in New Jersey and in Virginia, Virginia where you saw the masses said enough's enough. And what scares politicians the most is when the public gets angry over something. We've seen this through history. This brought in Ronald Reagan. Well, first of all, you go back in history. It goes to 1932. Roosevelt came in. Mm-hmm. 1980, Ronald Reagan came in with this anti-government, anti-tax crusade. To a lesser degree, Barack Obama, hope and change, even though he became part of the establishment that he so ridicules. But and then you got Donald Trump, whether he runs in 2024, I don't know. But he could be the the Barry Goldwater of the repair, even though Barry Goldwater lost the 1964 campaign to Lyndon Johnson, but he ushered in 15 16 years later the can't the the ascension of Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump flipped the parties. Remember, the Democratic Party used to be the party of the working class. They're no longer that. They're the party of the tech, the academics, government workers, those who have advanced degrees. If you're a blue-collar worker, you work with your hands, you're typically going to be a Republican. And I think right now the masses are angry at the tone deafness of Joe Biden when he made the comment of two weeks ago that – this rising gas prices is something we need to deal with to get to that period where we no longer rely on fossil fuels. So I think it's coming. It's just we'll have to see how big and how deep it goes. So I listened to a radio show and they were like, they kind of may, I think you might like this term of reference, but our term of, but it's like, you're always saying, oh, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And then they kind of chimed in though. They're like saying, 
Oh, no. It's going to get worse before it gets worse. Well, yeah, because right now some of the experts are predicting we'll be at $5 a gallon on average throughout the country by July 4th, $6 by Labor Day. And these same experts are talking about because of the policies of um, the Democrats and the Biden administration – that there could be brownouts because there's not enough energy being produced. And you, look what happened in San Francisco yesterday. Chase Bodine, the very progressive DA in San Francisco, lost by over 60% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And they already kicked out or recalled three school board members with over 70% of the vote. And this is in a very liberal, progressive blue city of San Francisco. Yeah. So people are starting to see... That, that progressive ideology with higher gas prices, higher inflation, higher food costs, higher rent. And to let our listeners, I'm facing this. It's not like I'm above the fray. I make all this money. I'm struggling myself. How am I going to pay pay this? How am I going to afford gas? Oh, yeah. I can only f- put so much in. Food costs go up. Mm-hmm. All these things I'm facing. Where am I going to live? I'm temporarily staying with a friend. So I have to look, and we talk about this all the time, Joe. I'm thinking about, wow, how am I going to pay the exorbitant cost of rent? If I live further out, that means i got to drive into work. Mm-hmm. How am I paying for that? What happens if my truck goes out? Then what do I do? So, so these are the things people are facing, and I think it's coming. I think it's really coming. Now, I think it started, well, however, whoever, how they're listening to it, starting, I guess, tonight or this week is the dog and pony show when it comes to the insurrection. Correct. Well, it seems. Or the, the, well, the findings, the, or what are they doing? They're it's, doing the hearings of the January 6th, and the Democrats believe this is that what they need to take the pressure off. Everybody looking at inflation and gas prices, but every time they've done these hearings, do you really think they care about it? No, but every time yeah. they've done these hearings, most Americans aren't watching this. Yeah. So them, it's everybody I talk to. Most Americans are not political. I mean, I follow politics probably more than most people ever dream of. I mean, every time we talk, Joe, how many times? Do I not mention something about politics? All the time. Uh, all the time. Yeah, all it's the like time. When I went to Afghanistan, everybody goes, you can't talk politics. One colonel mentioned, well, I guess that negates 98% of Ubaldi's conversation. Mm-hmm. But by dealing this, people are more concerned about inflation, mm-hmm. gas prices, food prices, rent. You've got a friend that her rent went up substantially. So she's going to have to make adjustments where she's going to live. So- Everybody's facing this. Nobody's concerned what happened to January 6th. And to me, the January 6th committee was a sham committee for this reason only. The Democrats chose who would sit on the committee. Anybody that they didn't agree with was not on the committee. And only evidence that they wanted to hear, even Adam Schiff, who lied about Russian collusion, lied about the Ukraine thing, submitted something that was false as evidence, and even the committee had to walk that back and said that's not evidence. Mm -hmm. It's just this isn't what Americans concern. I don't think Americans are going to watch this. They're just going to like, you're wasting our time for what? And it's all about because they don't want Donald Trump to run in 2024, and it takes their attention away from 
inflation and gas prices. Could the findings from the hearings do that, or is it just kind of like it's just going to go nowhere? Is it just kind of like what's that? Where it doesn't? It's it's there, but it's just it's there. It's going nowhere, and people are going to start to look. Especially Friday, the inflation report comes out. Yeah, I think they're so they're just trying to block. They're just trying to avert their eyes from the inflation report. Yeah, and when the inflation report comes out next uh, on Friday, and then next week, I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday, the producer price index, this is the true gauge of inflation. Last time it was 11%. And the GDP quarter is ending here. And, and the, the GDP ends this month. So next month, I think it's like the 26th, the GDP for the second quarter comes out. If it's a negative GDP, recession, it's technically a recession. Then the 30th of June... The longshoreman contract goes up for renewal, and right now they're going to probably operate without one. Do they go on strike? Yeah. So, and then the I guarantee it, if they go on strike, the question would be, when did you know this was going on? Well, we didn't know. If they (laughs) didn't know, I've been talking about it for months. Yeah. And I mentioned this on this radio show, I mean, podcast many times. I work a full-time job, and before this, you guys know this. I worked at Chick-fil-A working 50 to 50 hours a week, mm-hmm. and yep. I still could find out all these answers. Yep. So, I mean, Ray, you're feeling it too. Oh, extremely. And I pay for a diesel truck. <laughs> yeah, and diesel. That's why I tell people, when you fill up the gas, think of diesel. 80% of goods and services in America rely on diesel. I almost feel like putting it out there that Ray uses red diesel just so they'll check it and be like, oh, this isn't red diesel. And he's got a red truck, too. <laughs> I got a red truck. <laughs> but, I mean, it's all these things factor in. And this is what the American people are concerned. They're not, they don't care about all these other side issues. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to pay their bills. They want to be able to get They want to provide for their children. And when more people are using savings, that's why our savings rates dropped. But our credit card debt has gone up mm-hmm. because, I mean, think about it. Our um, salary wages went up about 5%. Even the Bureau of Labor Statistics said that it went up around 5%. But when inflation is running about 8.5%, that negates your wage gain. So now you're losing money. So this is like a tax on everybody. It's a stupid tax from our government. And then you've got Joe Biden. And then you like you have Ron Klein, the chief of staff, mentioned a little a couple months back. Oh, inflation's a high class problem. How come Janet Yellen, the all the economic advisors to President Biden didn't see this coming? Jerome Powell didn't see this coming. Larry Summers did, and he's no conservative. Treasury Secretary for Biden. And you had you had a really good ex- or short. You had a way of taking care of this. And how would you have taken care of all those people? That should have seen this coming, but it didn't. What would you have done? Fired them. (laughs) You go look for another job. Yeah. Because you're totally, they spent too much. Like even Janet Yellen was up on Capitol Hill, and she spent a lot of time talking about climate change, diversity, equity. Who gives a crap? Your job is to keep inflation in check. Yeah. Not worry about all these trivial things. It's transitory, though. Yeah. And that's the other thing. They said it was transitory. They're blaming Ukraine, COVID, all these other things. Inflation has been going up. As soon as they passed the American Rescue Plan, it went up 2%, then 4%, then 5%, way before Russia invaded Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Well, so, it, it goes back to last week what we were saying about accountability. You have no accountability. Look where we're at in the country. 
I know. It just seems like it's been a long two years. It hasn't even been two years yet. Well, the other thing, and we got to wait another two after that in order to get someone competent into back into the office. And then you got to wait another year for that person's policies to take hold. Well, here's an example. President Biden was was in a I think it was a political um, article, which is a left leaning online news outlet, mm-hmm. and he's complaining that his White House staff keeps walking back his statements, and he has to constantly remind them that he's the president. Instead of walking into the White House communications room, if you guys have a problem with the way I'm doing things, there's the door. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't do that. Yeah, look at all the mistakes like the border. Kamala Harris, the vice president, is supposed to be in charge. Is there any talk about that? No, and it just seems like how they're handling it is just they're not talking about it as much anymore. So they're not bringing up the border. They're not bringing up Ukraine. Apparently solved. Well, but, okay, going to, like, the border. Right now in Los Angeles, there's the Summit of the Americas to talk about the democratic issues. And three, and there's a big angst because President Biden didn't invite Cuba, Nicaragua, in Venezuela, so Mexico boycotted it. Okay. So this is a prime opportunity. And what their agenda was: climate change, equity. <laughs> They're not talking about some of the, the key core reasons. Yeah. Remember, Kamala Harris was supposed to go down and t- take care of what at the origins. Who's discussing that? Mm-hmm. I mean, we diss some of our allies, like Colombia. The president stated that we shouldn't have invited these dictatorships, but. Do we support countries like that? Yeah. No. I mean, it's just, I mean, I would beg to differ. I would like to ask those who are listening today, name one thing, whether domestic or foreign policy, that President Biden was correct on or acted in the best interests of America. He came in and said, I'm going to defeat COVID. I'm going to send a team into China. He didn't defeat COVID. More people died under his watch than the previous administration when there wasn't a vaccine. What about the team going into China? No. Did he hold China accountable? No. I mean, it's shown weakness upon weakness. He Did he said he was going to strengthen our allies? He dissed our allies by abandoning them in Afghanistan. Look at domestically. We were energy independent. I mean, think about it. Energy independent. And now we're not. Mm-hmm. And now we're fl- we're floating with $5 a gallon of gas. Well, it just seems like he's a lot of talk, but just no action. And coming from somebody who spent well over four, half his almost 40 plus years in government, he's going to be, well, the only person smiling right now is Jimmy Carter because he's going to make Jimmy Carter look like a, a successful president. And almost, I think that galls at him. It's almost like the answer is not the career politician for our society. I mean, we, we're watching somebody who's got 30, 40 plus years in, and he's telling us he's got all the answers, yet we're us peasants are paying the price for his answer. My 12-year-old can run the country better. Well, but than see, him. the other thing that's <laughs> the other sad part in this whole narrative is Joe Biden's never run anything, but when he was, the media gave him cover. In 2000, they never asked him any of these questions about well, how is spending more money going to help the economy? How is putting more regulations on business when you have supply chain shortages? How is doing what you're doing overseas strength in America? And the media never, they, they covered him all through 2020, 2021, 
now slowly they're changing their tune. And take a, let's take an example of the uh, baby food formula mm-hmm. crisis. How would it have been different if Donald Trump would have been president and there was a shortage of baby food? Well, he would have known about it earlier and no, he would no, have no. done something about it. How would the cover been oh, yeah. if he would didn't know about it and everybody else did since October? Trump doesn't care about your children. Oh. He wants them to die. What's he going to do? Or how would it have <laughs> been different, the coverage, if Don Jr. or Jared Kushner Oh, they would, would have added race in there. Would have been discharged because they took they they tested positive on urinalysis for cocaine. Mm-hmm. They had a, an unfaithful marriage where he cheated on his wife with his brother's widow. His daughters found out about it by looking on his phone and telling their mother. He had some questionable business dealings with Ukraine, East I mean Central European countries, China. And they had a laptop that they found all this information. Do you think the media would have not covered it or covered it? Oh, absolutely. They would have covered it. So the media is responsible for what we've gotten. And that's why they hold. It seems like they give the Democrats more deference than they do Republicans. Look at Kamala Harris. She was supposed to be in charge of the border. She hasn't been to the border or talked about it since June of last year. Mm -hmm. We had almost 200, excuse me, two million migrants come across that border. We're going to exceed that and get close to 3 million by uh, by the end of the fiscal year. All right, so I just got word that <clears throat> just passed through the House is that they are going to increase the age from 18 to 21 when it comes to by purchasing semi-automatic weapons. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I'm good with that. I mean, I can good with that. The one thing I'm I have a question on is like when they talk about expanded background checks or like red flag laws and Molly Hemingway of the Federalist made a good point. She goes, who's going to administrate that? What government agency do you trust? Do we trust the FBI who spied on Americans, who lied about it, who altered evidence to get a surveillance warrant? What about the ATF? ATF. Or what about all these other government agencies who had, different issues of corruption and one-sided justice for one and not the other. Yeah. So these are all issues that have to be discussed and have to be played out. So we'll have to see how this goes. But, I mean, I can favor sensible gun laws, but not abolishing and doing some of these other things we're talking about. That that did not get passed. Oh, it didn't? By, oh, that, that did not get passed by a wide margin, and that only passed the House, and it did not get to the Senate Which yet. Which one was that? The, the uh, House passed the gun control legislation, the age, and they're saying a wide variety, but that passed just 223 to 204. Well, because the question I want to ask our listeners, people are going to focus on, they couldn't even pass this. What else was in that bill? Because there were Democrat, there was like forty Democratic. Well, moder- also- oh, hold on, there was forty Democratic moderate representatives mm-hmm. sent a letter to Pelosi is saying, "Don't jam everything into that bill. Yeah, just put some things like this one. I think everybody can ag- agree to that. I think, like you had said on a previous podcast, that everybody can agree with. Let's do the background check for maybe where the federal government and. The, the local government agencies work together. And I, was, I work at a firearm agency or store where we sell firearms. And one of the things they need to do is juveniles. 
if a juvenile commits a felony at 16 or 15, yeah. why is their record sealed so when they're 18, they're eligible for a firearm? Yeah. Well, Maybe that should continue over into their adult. And that's one thing that needs to be talked about because it's just there's so many things that are right there in front of us that if we changed or tweaked a little bit, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of all of it, we're giving up our right to privacy for a background check anyway. So it's just like if we can see all this and an agency has the answers and can stop this right now instead of making it progressively worse, I'd rather see it done that way because I I know I'm tired. I'm pretty sure everybody else in America (laughs) is tired of being blamed for these shootings. And it's just like that's not the root cause of it. There's other root causes. Now, I am going to say the reason why this uh, will not pass is because part of this bill – is also the ban of assault weapons. ban the sale of magazines that hold more than fifteen rounds of ammunition. But the one thing I would like to see is let's focus on mental illness. And the other thing they're not talking about, and I've said this many times before, look at the destruction of the basic core family unit. I mean, right now we got the administration p- potentially pushing an agenda that. If he would ban federally funded school lunch programs in the various states, tell the states adhere to the LGBTQ initiative. So these are issues that people need to stand up and say, so you're going to deny children food because states don't want to push the LGBTQ agenda to children. Mm -hmm. That's what President Biden is saying. All right, John. So why don't we just... How does everybody get a hold of you? They can get a hold of us, and I do check it. You Go to UbaldiReports at gmail.com. You can go to any of our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, definitely TikTok, because that's where we seem to be doing our live streaming on. We're live streaming on other social media platforms. And you can just leave what you think about that and let us know what you think about Ubaldi Reports. We'd love to hear from you. And I do appreciate some of the questions that were put out there, and we try to answer them to our best of our abilities. So I'd like to thank our listeners, thank Ray, thank Joe for doing this. Eventually, we're going to really tweak this so we can do this. Our goal is to do this every day, five days a week, so we can get to the best messages, especially as we go into the midterm elections. And <clears throat> ladies out there, I just want you to know that John is single. <laughs> Okay, he is a very well-built, he is a handsome man, he loves to talk politics, so you can reach out to him with UbaldiReports at gmail.com, let him know, try him out, he's a great guy, he's a great catch, he's a pro-gun, I'm I'm really sure that you will not be disappointed, so reach out to John, he needs to go on a date. All right. Thanks, Joe. (laughs) All right, but till next time, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.